You're listening to Wealth Tech on Deck, a podcast about the future of wealth management technology, brought to you by Life Yield. Here's your host, Jack Sherry. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Wealth Tech on Deck. Glad to have you on board. On occasion, we invite our guests to make a return visit to our program as what they are doing and where they're doing it may have changed. This week, we are speaking with my good friend, Rose Palazzo. This will actually be Rose's third visit to Wealth Tech on Deck. That'll tell you something about what I think of her and what she has to offer. For those who may not know Rose, in my view, she has accomplished more in the design and build of comprehensive advice platforms than anyone in our industry. I don't say that lightly. She was the person who persuaded senior management at Morgan Stanley many years ago to build their platform in such a way as to become the clear leader with the industry's most advanced advice platform today. And then she was one of the key leaders who corralled and collaborated across the firm to build a platform that is, in my view, and most others who pay attention to this stuff, far and away the leading comprehensive advice platform in the industry. It was about one year ago today that Morgan Stanley launched Rose's most significant project, Intelligent Withdrawals. We'll talk about that in a moment. This is the industry's first comprehensive retirement income program won't be the last. And it was also the time where she started as the group head of InvestNet Money Guide. After one year of Money Guide, uh, we wanted to catch up with Rose and see what she's been up to and where she sees the wealth management industry headed. So Rose, my friend, welcome to Wealth Tech on Deck again. Jack, thank you so much for having me. I can't thank you enough for having me today, but also three times. So this is amazing. (laughs) You have the record. Thank you. I love that. I want to take a minute to congratulate you on what you've done with Wealth Tech on Deck. It is truly Great. phenomenal. You. you have sort of curated some of the most amazing discussions about Wealth Tech and what's going on in the wealth management industry. And I am just honored to participate three times. But also, personally, I have gotten a ton out of listening to your podcasts and listening to your guests who are some of the most amazing people in the industry. So congratulations. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, that's a a testament to who we have on. So I appreciate your comments, but it's people like you that make this show fun to uh, do and fun to listen to as we hear from our 5,000 or so folks that do that. So Rose, let's start with uh, you talking about what you went through uh, as you were preparing to launch Intelligent Withdrawals and at the same time setting yourself up to move to Money Guide. We were in regular touch at that point. So you had two jobs finishing out what you were doing at Morgan Stanley and then setting yourself up for the future at Money Guide. So uh, tell us about uh, that experience and how you pulled it off. Yeah. Well, when you say a year ago, that's the first shocker for me because it does not feel like a year. It feels like just a few months at best, right? That that feels like it was just yesterday. And it was two really significant things for the organization I was in and the organization I was going to, and also for me sort of personally. You mentioned, and thank you for that intro, Intelligent Withdrawals, that platform and what it did for the advice platform at my former firm was really significant. And I was a part of that process from the beginning of the proposal of that strategy and design and all the way through to sort of the execution. So it was kind of a personal labor of love for me and the teams that worked on it. And there was a lot that went into that. So for instance, we'll start with the decision to either kind of build that all on our own or partner with experts. And I know you know we partnered with LifeYield to to build that and to sort of coordinate the development of it. And it was a culmination of a tremendous amount of work, both from 
a design and integration and coordination of multiple platforms and partners, but also in sort of prepping for the rollout of that. And so when I left, we had just completed a really successful pilot with a core group of advisors that we thought would be engaged and give us great advice on on that. And that were, to some degree, trying to do some of this on their own. So they had some experience. So we got some good advice around what would that do to their business and preparing to roll that out nationally, which is a tremendous effort in and of itself. And Morgan Stanley just has kind of the wherewithal to, to do that, right? Really prepping and really sort of focused on how do we help advisors adopt what we think is kind of significant technology. That's great. And what was it as you were departing your friends at uh, Morgan Stanley, all of whom you still have as friends, and uh, making new friends at Money Guide. That was quite a transition of full-time at one place and and then getting prepped for the next. What did you find once you got to Money Guide? I'll say leaving a firm like Morgan Stanley is not easy, right? Like it's just an amazing organization with just uh, amazing people. But I was a longtime client of Money Guide and a fan of what they've done and how they've innovated around planning over the years. So that was an exciting opportunity to join and to act as kind of group head and sort of lead Money Guide going forward. And then I was also really inspired to some degree by what Bill's vision was for InvestNet, right? This idea of an intelligent financial life that all of the components of a, of a client's financial life are connected, right? And that requires technology to help execute and to enhance the advice that we provide clients to enhance clients' lives by providing better advice and helping them to attain what they want. So being a part of that was really exciting. And so what prepped for was really getting an understanding of the uh, the current offering and sort of what that strategy was and where to focus. And I was sort of doing that at the same time as kind of rounding out what I was doing in my previous role. That's great. And of course, when you say Bill, you're referring to Bill Craig, who is the CEO of InvestNet. I know he's excited to have you and we we'll want to talk a little bit now that you're there, some of the things that you found, some of the things you're excited about. Also, the difference is still when you get to a firm where I don't know how many clients InvestNet has, but it has, seems the whole industry where there's a lot more clients at Morgan Stanley, certainly 15,000 or so advisors, but I think I would imagine InvestNet has a higher number of that and lots of different firms and lots of different needs. Yeah. You know, I'm going to actually start with the similarities because I found a lot of similarities between the firms. They are both leaders in their respective spaces, and that has a lot to do with the leadership and the strategy and their ability to execute. They also each have a real focus on clients, both those advisors that they're providing support and services to, as well as the end client. So what does it really mean for an investor to be able to achieve what they need? And how do we get solutions and advice to them? And then lastly, there is a discipline and dedication around innovation at both of those firms. And real successful innovation requires that, right? Like both a discipline to say, I am going to innovate around this and to have dedication to doing that. So that I would say, there is a lot of similarities between the two. You highlighted one of the biggest differences that I found is that sitting in a seat where you've got a captive, you know, one firm that you are working for. And yes, 15,000 advisors, it certainly had different ways to serve their clients, but there's certainly many more clients that I'm interacting with and serving. And it's fantastic to see how firms and advisors are tackling these issues in different ways and how we can think about what we provide helps them with that. That's great. So, Rose, I know uh, there are a couple of key areas you were especially excited about 
and the work you're doing at InvestNet Money Guide. So why don't you fill us in on some of the things you're, you're working on? Yeah. So when I think about the work that I'm doing now, I really think about it in two categories. So the first is group head of Money Guide. I think about financial planning and advice. When I joined InvestNet Money Guide, the T3 survey, the 2022 T3 survey had been released just a few months later and Money Guide was ranked as the number one financial planning tool as they had been for the last 15 years. So that is a focus. So the areas of work and the initiatives that we're working on for Money Guide specifically are all around providing best-in-class capabilities around planning and advice. And so there's a few things that I have been working on over the past year and are focused on. And the, the first really deals with rounding out the offering for Money Guide and providing advisors and firms with a platform that serves clients, no matter their sort of life stage or demographic. We want to work with clients from mass affluent and kind of emerging all the way through high net worth and ultra high net worth. And so last year, the year before, and all of this year, really, we launched uh, Well Studios, which is a, the newest sort of component of Money Guide. And that is focused on serving high net worth and ultra high net worth clients through complex estate planning. And actually, more broadly, just clients of all sort of net worths with detailed cash flow planning. And what that helps with is the client's need requires that or the advisor prefers that method of planning versus goals-based, this platform, Money Guide, can now serve sort of all of those areas. So really excited about that. The tool is on the same platform. So it really is Money Guide now is a solution that on a single platform, you can meet all of those needs. And you know, in the same vein around that continuum, we continue to focus on our development of my blocks. And that's about creating these, I like to call them micro and mini experiences around planning and advice. And it componentizes planning. They can help facilitate collaboration between an advisor and a client in these sort of more consumable experiences. And they also get to some very specific topical sort of discussion. So we've got a healthcare, let's say we've got a healthcare block where you can have a focused conversation around healthcare or ESG and sort of put the magnifying glass on that and make it consumable and engage clients. There's certainly many of those components that are actually really helpful for mass affluent clients as well. The second big category of work that I think about is the integration of planning. So that is, you know, when I joined InvestNet Money Guide, there's a ton of integration that has already happened. So Money Guide integrated with InvestNet's Tamarack platform and its investment proposal system. But we've done some things this year further integrating with things like FIDEX. So you can go through a illustration with a client on how an annuity might help them meet their income needs and then actually launch into the FIDEX platform to execute on that. We've done further integration with LifeYield to help execute on an investment strategy. So go through a plan, provide a high level, I like to call it big pie investment strategy to a client. And then we've got the integration into LifeYield that helps with smarter execution through asset location. And then I'll talk about one more integration. And this one's a little bit more non-traditional, but embedded finance. So we're really using Money Guide to help embed finance in non-traditional partners to help sort of bring kind of financial decisions to clients where they are. So those are, are some of the areas when we think about sort of the integration aspects of what I'm focused on that we've been working on. And I know you've been working with Danny Fava on the embedded finance. Yes. Yep. She's absolutely amazing and, and a great partner. That's great. And, and also, uh, for those that may not know, 
when we talk about Well Studios, that's something uh, Edmund Walters, who founded eMoney, isn't that something he developed way back when? It is, absolutely. And that was a partnership that was developed with Money Guide and InvestNet and Edmund Walters. And we were able to take his best thinking around that space in terms of serving high net worth clients and integrate that into the Money Guide platform to help um, reimagine how high net worth planning is provided to clients. And if you take a look at that platform, you'll see things that are really changing the way advisors can work with clients. It is more interactive. It is less about you sitting in front of a static report and more about engaging clients in the process of planning. So a really fantastic partnership there. So I've been a student and a fan of Bill Craiger and InvestNet for many years. So what I just heard is you took someone that was at one point a competitor in Edmund Walters and used some of his his work. You're doing some interesting stuff with Danny around embedded finance. So that's that's new. FedEx is a series of partnerships across a number of different exchanges. And you know, Sean Lawler heads up uh, those businesses in terms of developing that. You're working with LifeYield, and we very much appreciate the work we're doing with clients to help in execution. So it sounds like you're broadening out and not just a, you're not your father's Oldsmobile, as they said years ago in the commercial or heard in the commercial, but you're really starting to broaden out to connect to different elements that were not originally part of a planning construct. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's taking some of my past experience embedding planning across the wealth management process and further extending that, right? And it really is about starting with a client to get an understanding of their personal goals, to develop strategies, and to execute in the best way possible to help them achieve what they want. And I think all of these opportunities that I'm talking about are addressing those, right? Like, how do we execute in a better way? How do we make the technology support being more scalable and being able to provide this to more clients? How do we enhance the advice we're providing to clients? So it's exciting to extend that and to see the, the possibilities around that. So I'm going to tell a little story about Rose, if I may. Some of the work that she's done, she was way back when was working at, at Merrill Lynch in, in the planning department. I, we, we'll leave out the part where you worked as a college bartender at uh, Merrill Lynch Executive Events. We'll leave that part out. But doing a lot of good work, Wealth Outlook at Merrill Lynch at the time, moved on to Morgan Stanley, came up with this crazy idea of having planning be more than just planning, that uh, there's going to be a lot more than that. A lot of what this is where I'm going with this questions, Rose, and the story is you just saw that planning needed to be much more than just a plan. It needed to be implemented. It needed to be connected with all parts of the firm because that's what clients do. They own different types of products and different type of accounts and different types of lots of stuff. They want some more advice and counsel at different life stages, all that sort of stuff. And certainly you've been a leader in that. When you went to senior management, many people may not know this, but Rose really went to senior management and was the advocate to what has become Morgan Stanley's platform. And in my mind, and I'm pretty informed on this stuff, there's no one that comes close at this stage. Many people chasing, but no one has come close to this point. And you really were a key leader. There were others, certainly good friends and colleagues of yours that were very actively involved. You really kind of were the point of the spear of making that all happen. So now you find yourself at, at InvestNet, where the intelligent financial life is the mantra for the firm as well it should be. Talk about that. Where are you now? Where do you see it going? In other words, how do you pull this stuff together? Because it's about all the different elements of what a client has to contend with, all the different issues they have to consider. And then ultimately, they have to implement. They have to put it in, in motion. And there's no one that knows that stuff better than you. So why don't you talk a little bit about that journey and then also where you see the world going? Thank you for that. It's sort of the history, the sort of starting in planning when planning was delivered in a 
you know, hardbound book and it wasn't revisited. We'll say there, right? And to where we are today, where it's actually... It's a paperweight. It, it was a paperweight, but <laughs> we're having those discussions and there was there was value there. But the evolution has been just incredible, right? So to think about where I started, where if a client wanted to change something in their plan, it took two weeks because it, a new book had to be printed and, and mailed out, right? To a place where we're actually making these things tools that help clients make decisions that have huge impact on their life, right? Like, so it's, it's interactive and it's connected and we're really seeing how all these things um, kind of come together. So I'll talk a little bit about the journey and you're right. I think part of, you know, five or six years ago when I had started on that journey at Morgan Stanley, it was a lot about how do we integrate this as part of the overall process so people can use planning conversations as context for the advice. If we want to say, how are we doing? It's not just performance against a benchmark. It's are you able to achieve what you want? So kind of all of those things. And that requires a high degree of integration, right? And we'll use that term sort of to mean one thing, user experience, data integration, and We'll now take it to the next step, coordination between different platforms that are working together because you mentioned it, clients have complex financial lives and that means that they use different products and it may be you know, different advisory products, brokerage, all of the things that come together, annuities and insurance, all of those things that come together that um, help them achieve what they want. So... I think there's been so much work done in integrating platforms and thinking through experience in being able to have platforms inform each other, right, to enhance the advice. And that's just going to continue. And what we'll see is more coordination of these things, better experience so clients understand how these things are connected. So there's one thing about, can we provide better advice because we're making it more efficient for everybody to do it? And then the other is, how do we help clients actually understand that this advice is tied to the things that are important to them and make sure that those experiences are consumable and present for people? So I think we're going to see a lot of that, which means you know, just a few things. One is more clients will get better advice, right? And we'll be able to see some clients that previously weren't getting advice to be able to get that, right? Like through digital experiences, through things that like like Danny's doing with embedded finance, right? It's coming to them. And then we'll also be able to see advisors who are currently scaling their businesses, just the ability to increase sort of that and to enhance the advice that they're able to provide. So greater adoption of those things that we're building now and just sort of more of that going forward. And I think that the platforms are just going to get smarter. So we will see more of the platforms doing the heavy lifting for advisors, which will allow for the things that we're talking about. So through better use of data, and things like AI and insights and things like that, it just will, will sort of per, push on what kind of advice we can provide as, as well. Yeah, let me see if I could go a little bit further, a little deeper on this notion of coordination, because it's one thing to connect the dots, as we like to say, and it's another thing to integrate, have a series of integrations. But then you have to go across the various silos, various integrated elements or elements that have been integrated and coordinate them. And I'll just take a give an example and I'd love to have you comment. So you have the data, that's that's baseline, and we've worked with you for years to work on that part. It's uh, I have to have clean data that's consistent across the way. That's no small thing, but as an industry, we're, we're making great strides in that regard. And then that feeds into a planning tool, and the planning tool will pick out an asset allocation, and it'll start to identify goals and priorities and what have you. 
At some point, you have to consider asset location, and you've done a good bit of work on that. We've done it together on asset location. So where you hold it is important. That's relatively new to our industry to really think about that and also mechanize it or to make it more, more seamless. And then it has to go into a proposal. This is that coordination thing we're talking about where you, it goes into a proposal. And then as part of the proposal, and a lot of this is still a work in progress, it's not just asset management offerings, whether it's SMA, UMA, what have you, brokerage, but now increasing alternatives and annuities and all that. That's we're early days on those two to be integrated into this and coordinated with this broader system. And then over time, you got to rebalance. Assets might come in. You got to transition. And then ultimately, you got to take it out. That's the intelligent withdrawals that you've, you've we talked about earlier. And so you, you're drawing from different accounts and product types. And oh yeah, we've got to consider taxes. The single biggest impact on all the above of what we just talked about. If you can manage that, minimize tax, you have a better outcome. So you've lived that. I just described what Rose has been working on for the past six, seven, eight years, whatever it's been. Talk about that. Talk about that understanding because, frankly, we together learned a lot about that as we went along. But we'll talk about that experience and also how you're applying it today with what you're doing in Investment Money Guy. Yeah. So I will say, and you're right, we learned a lot along the way. So we had sort of thoughts around it and a strategy around it when we started, but we learned a lot along the way. And it was critical to pivot quickly, right? Like <laughs> to sort of pick your places and to be able to pivot quickly when, when you learn certain things. But I'd say this, for me, it started with that vision of planning had to be more than planning, right? We didn't want to hand somebody a plan and so they move away from that and provide advice that was disconnected. And it, for me, it's very simple. And I say that people have heard me say this, Planning is really getting an understanding of why you were investing in the first place, right? And so if we are going to invest for you and provide solutions to you, we should know what the objective is, right? Like for me, it feels like it is that basic. And so that makes it the context for these things. So it was a very sort of initial sort of view on, well, how do we use a plan as a way to understand what a client wants to achieve and to vet sort of the strategies and to explain those strategies to clients and, and what the impact is to them. And then how do we go ahead and say, if it's a 30-year plan for somebody, I've got to execute this in the best way possible at that time, right? Like in, in considering everything that that um, goes into that. So the experience was to pick our places, to think through some of the key things that were critical to get right on sort of the first pass. So what's the first thing that we are going to do? And that was a little bit of making sure we could think about a portfolio, maintain that portfolio through the systems, understand what the first step was. We'll just talk about taking it in steps. Very first step that we took was going from a plan to execution and using asset location as a way to create efficiency and do better for the client. And that was one of the first things that we prioritized because it helped us execute in a smarter way. It gave efficiency to the advisor and benefits to the client. And so we sort of evaluated this what could feel like boiling the ocean, what could feel like insurmountable sort of collection of tasks and said, okay, let's pick some of the ones that help us get through those first steps. And then we'll tackle the next one. We'll learn what sort of the pain points are, what the players are, what the things we have to address and prioritize those and keep going. And that was, that was the journey really. Yeah. And for those that may not have heard it by now, but it's been repeated often, certainly by me. If you're going to have an impact on improving outcome, you got to deal with asset location. It's kind of that simple. Taxes are the biggest drag on returns, after-tax returns, which is all you get. You only get to keep what you keep, not what you made in pre-tax. And clearly, uh, together, we learned a whole bunch about that. So 
Let's move on to the future before we start to wrap up. Where do you see the, the industry going, investment money guy going over the next three to five years? Yeah, I think, I, I mean, I mentioned it before. We are focused on innovating around how clients and advisors experience planning, how we integrate that across all the discussions that we're having, how we enhance the advice that we're providing. So I think we just mentioned it, how I think in the next few years, you're going to see better coordination through platforms. You're seeing some of it now. That's going to continue. Um, You're going to see um, enhancements in terms of the types of advice and the coordination between the product, not just the platforms, but the products that we're putting together, right? And having the technology to support that. More enhancements around sort of how do we execute in smarter ways, right? Like, so we do a lot around developing the strategies and how do we actually execute those things in smarter ways. And I'll go back to the use of data and the client experience being a real focus as well, right? Like making all the things that we're doing for clients easy for them to consume and to use and to understand so that we can do more for them. The old easy button. Yes. Uh, one, of our, one of the clients we've spoken to has highlighted so frequently and rightfully. So Rose, as we look to wrap up, what are the three key takeaways you'd like to share with our audience? I'm going to start with something I talked about early on, which is what we're focused on at Money Guide, and that's rounding out a platform that helps to serve all of the clients that an advisor might have, right? From mass affluent to ultra high net worth at all life stages. So if folks haven't taken a look at Wall Studios or Money Guide in a little while, I would invite folks to do that. Wall Studios really is innovating around the experience for that high net worth planning, making it easier, but also making it much more engaging. So I'll, I'll start there. The other takeaway, and we've been talking about it, is just a focus on how platforms are coordinating, right? This sort of move past integration to coordination and thinking through just sort of how how that how that actually happens in, in kind of that execution. The last one, and Jack, this will be extension on your last comment, and this one's near and dear to my heart. It's that sort of mantra that I have that execution matters, right? Like that not all strategies get executed in the same way. And so execution matters. Taxes is a huge impact to clients. It's one that if you're Providing investment advice to clients to be tax aware is important. So to think through sort of those capabilities and the the impact that they can have to clients' abilities to achieve what's important to them and what they want. That's great. Well, Rose, as always, this has been a, a total pleasure. Love talking to you. We Rose and I sneak an opportunity periodically to catch up and share our I listen to her wisdom and I share what I hear around the, the industry. So uh, once again, great to, to have this conversation. And now for my favorite question. Last time when we talked about what you do outside of work that's you're particularly excited or passionate about, you talked about opera, but I hear you might have a, a new thing about which you're excited and passionate about. So tell us. It may be a new passion. I I actually think of this and, and Jack, I shared this story with you because well, it was exciting for me, but I um, always look for opportunities to get my family together. And we haven't done a ton since the pandemic. So I had planned a, a family trip to visit my brother. And as we got closer, my parents that are a little bit older were a little bit nervous about traveling. So nobody wanted to get on a plane. Nobody wanted to be in the car. Um, it was going to be about a seven and a half hour trip by car. And in kind of my sort of strategy is there's always a solution to every problem. I googled 
renting an RV because I thought that a 30-foot RV with a bed and a sofa and a kitchen would be a great solution to sort of the concerns that everybody had about traveling. So I, as a person who never been in an RV, <laughs> a 30-foot RV to get all of those sort of amenities for my family, I rationalized it by saying I have driven a U-Haul in Times Square, so surely I, I, could, I could drive an RV. But it was a fantastic family vacation. Everybody agreed to go. We had five adults and three dogs and were able all to kind of take a trip in that RV. Also, in full disclosure, we only use that for transportation. We, we drove it to our destination and then sort of parked it and got out of it. I haven't fully embrace the RV lifestyle, but it, that could happen. That would happen. It, it was a lot of fun. I want a selfie the next time you're behind the wheel of a 30 foot RV. So. I actually have one. I will send it to you. Okay, great. Great. That's terrific. So Rose, thanks. It's been a great conversation as always, including the RV story. For our audience, if you've enjoyed our podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, and share what we are doing here at Wealth Tech on Deck. We're available wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, Rose, my friend, it's been a real pleasure and I look forward to the next time. Thank you so much, Jack. It's been wonderful. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wealth Tech on Deck, our ongoing conversation about improving financial outcomes for all. This podcast is brought to you by LifeYield and produced by Reverb. Subscribe to future episodes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can connect with our host, Jack Sherry, on LinkedIn and Twitter. And for more information about our perspective on the future of financial advice, visit our website at lifeyield.com.